0: Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still and teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. I'm not going to stay down here for the whole night, but I thought I've thought i got to start down here. I'm going to do some drawing in a minute. So I thought until I actually finish my drawing, I'll stay down here. Just a couple of words of, of uh, welcome to anyone who's, who's visiting with us. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here and we just, everybody would love to welcome you. In your bulletin, you would have received a yellow card. It would be really great if you knew that we'd be able to contact with you and be able to see how we might serve you. Um, if you're a regular here, Then, if you have anything to communicate questions to ask saying i really want to help serve in the church you could fill that in i've got this prayer point fill that in pop it in one of the boxes on the way and it's it's just a way that we might be able to communicate with each other Uh, the only other announcement i have is not next saturday but the saturday after that in the morning we're having a training session starting at about nine o'clock and going through till after lunch lunch will be provided it's to, to start up and to work out training as a church for us to be a little bit more welcoming, particularly more welcoming to newcomers. Um, I've been going around and, and as I've got to know, I've been in the church for about 13, 14 months now. One of the things I've asked people very often is, why, why did you come to SDBC? I haven't yet had anyone answer me, well, it's just a welcoming church and I felt loved now if that's true for you absolutely fantastic but we would like as newcomers come in that we welcome them and so we're going to have a training thing. it's not just the greeting of it that still continues and that's done really well but to focus on trying to help people to feel really welcomed and included within the church So there's a training day that's going to be happening on saturday the 19th starting about nine o'clock and going through till after lunch and if you're interested in that that we as a church reaching out the community might be that sort of welcoming church please Sign up, there's a form down the back, or just turn up on the Saturday. The only reason to sign up is it lets us know how much lunch to provide. All
1: right.
0: As we come now and have a look at God's word, let's just pray again together. Let's pray. Father God, as we come now and have a look at what your word has to say about us being receptive and the different types of ways that people hear truth and respond to it, pray that we might respond to your truth tonight. Help us to be people who listen to you, and who do what you say. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand up if you think I'm fat. (laughs) One, two, three honest people. Come on. Love you all. Have a sit down. Thanks, Danny. Four. Stand up if you think I'm skinny. (laughs) Nobody... In Africa, when I turn up, they actually think this is handsome. They actually prefer a little bit more bulk on me. This is, if I wasn't married, this is an acceptable form of husband. Because you're obviously able to look after not only yourself, but you can probably provide for a number of people. <laughs> right? It shows you've got money in your wallet. It's desirable. It's in fact this. This is handsome. I could have asked that question. Santa would think I'm handsome. <laughs> Do you? you should have been up there without the, the 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 hint darling all right we'll have words later on talk about listening to one another i visited a friend of mine who had been missionaries with us in um sudan and that he's built a little bit bulkier than i and he said it's great being back in california they went on the beach a little bit in bastow county i said what's great about being in California? He said, in Sudan I'm fat, here I'm skinny, people want to be like me. Words words mean all sorts of different things to different people. When we came back in from overseas, um, we had been sort of we'd packed our stuff in Ethiopia about six months before we arrived back home. And I'm not sure I was totally involved in all of the packing. You talked to Sylvia afterwards so I got the look. All right? So I wasn't 100% sure, but I pretty much knew what we had. But when we arrived back here, I had to go to customs to sign it out. And they said to me, you know, is there anything you need to declare? And I said, no, don't think so. Can't think of anything. Maybe a bit of wooden stuff you might want to have a look at. I was trying to be as honest as I possibly could. And they said, well, we'll have to have a look through some of it. We're talking boxes of stuff. And they opened the first box and I knew which one it was. And And they said, no, that's fine, but let's just have a look in a few more boxes. And I thought, that's fine, not a problem. And they pull out this artifact that the kids had picked up in the Sudan. And he said, what's this? I said, oh, it's a souvenir. And he, he says, and he pulls the knife out of the sheath. And he says, no, it's a concealed weapon. I, I said, no, it's not. It's a souvenir. So he puts that over onto the side. And I thought, something wrong with this guy. And then he pulls out a, um, slingshot, you know, one of the ones that fits on here and you hold and it's got a really good pull. And he said, what's this? I said, it's a toy. It's one of my kids' toys. He said, that's not, that's not a toy. That's a weapon. I said, you haven't seen my kids use it. It's pretty much a toy. He said, no, that's a weapon. He puts that aside and I said, well, you're just taking all my stuff. And then he pulls out this beautiful compound bow that the kids used to play with. And he said, what's this? I said, it's another toy. He said, that's not a toy. That's illegal in this country. Um, Pulls out a pair of nunchucks. (laughs) He said, what's this? I said, exercise machine. (laughs) I was using words properly. This is exactly how I thought about them. And the one that really got me, he pulls out this electric fly swat. He said, what's this? It's an electric fly swat. He says, it's a taser. (laughs) I went, it's not a taser it's an electric flight squad anyways he puts all this stuff across the side and then he says you know we're going to have to have a further conversation i said what you want to keep it he says no you've made a false declaration i said in what way he said you had you said you had nothing to declare and you said you haven't got any weapons and look at all of this i said why it's just anyways we had to get together in this big room and they had all these cameras lining up on me I'm not going to go through the whole story, but he comes out and he pulls out, first of all, this knife and he puts it in the middle of us. He says, what's this? I said, it's a souvenir. He said, it's a concealed weapon. What is it? It's a souvenir. He said, no, it's a concealed. We went back and forth for a little while and finally I gave up because I was not as patient as him. I said, it's a concealed weapon. He said, thank you. Puts it over to the side. He goes through the whole jolly list of them. and keeps asking me the question until I repeat it back. Now, we got our way because they believed that I was stupid, all right? Which basically was true. But it's this whole idea of words. What do they mean? We're going to have a look tonight at the way of the wicked. It's a strange word, that wicked, isn't it? The Bible uses that word. It uses the word wicked or it uses the word evil. And often we define that word based on how we want it to mean. So, a wicked person is someone who hurts little children. A wicked person is someone who pulls the legs off dogs. You know, that's wicked. Wings off flies. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that's... W- Close enough. <laughs> that's really wicked. All right. That's wicked. All right. We think of someone evil as someone who is a a person in another country who makes child soldiers etc cetera, etc cetera. someone who's said something wrong to the customs officials unintentionally that's just dumb or a little bit funny we don't kind of think evil person they're trying to tell me criminal that's what they said we might have to charge you and i'm thinking with what and they think criminal activity <laughs> you're not you don't to customs people. They don't like that. You know, mm, okay, but it's this whole idea. And when we come to the word of God and we hear this way wicked, we kind of think, well, that doesn't apply to us. In fact, it, there's been a conversation going back. Maybe we should just say the way of the bad because we can cope with bad, right? Who here doesn't mind if every now and then they're a little bit bad? Yeah, some people, you can to be honest. You don't mind being a little bit bad at times or naughty. That's better. But if I say, who's wicked here sometimes? That's a bad word. You put legs off dogs or something. (laughs) Hope the children don't have any nightmares tonight. (laughs) I'm drawing, Joe, just I thought I'd let you know. We talk about this way. And we've talked over the last um, two weeks. Last week we talked about those who are wise and there's a particular way of living that is wise. And then there are another two, one this morning that was talked about, which is the way of the foolish, which actually ends up in destruction, and the way of the wicked. And in many ways, both of those Head off to the same spot. The foolish and the wicked. <sighs> No problem, my pleasure. We have the way of the wise and then we have foolish and the wicked they are heading down to destruction anyways. And we talked this morning about what it means kind of to be foolish. And so in some ways it's a little difficult to make the distinction between these two in the end product. And often it's, it's hard to determine the distinction with these two again as to how they respond. Because the basis here is they don't listen they don't pay attention but very briefly we're going to get to this a little bit later on you would have heard this morning if you were here and you read in the proverbs that the foolish say there is no god they're fools they don't believe in god and therefore they go their own way the wise say, it's God's world and I'm going to live according to what God wants. And the foolish says, there ain't no God. So I'm the centre of my universe and I'll do things my way and therefore that's how they interpret everything. The Bible doesn't say the wicked will say there is no God. The foolish and the wicked look fairly similar because they're both centres of their universe. We're going to come to in a minute what the wicked actually say is. I don't care if there's a God or not. More than that, they turn their back on God. They have an awareness that he's there and they say, well, bad luck. They know what's required of them or they're aware of what's required of them and they behave often exactly the same way as the foolish do. But they say, no, thank you. And that makes this sermon, and if you listen online, if you went here this morning, this morning's sermon, a little more more relevant to us. Because in the scripture's definition, most of us don't have the option of being fools. Because we don't say there is no God. We're not living in a vacuum. There are an enormous number of people who are out there in the world who may have heard about God but they actually don't believe that he's there. They've grown up in a world view that says there is nothing else, I am the centre of my universe. And the Bible says they're fools and they're headed for destruction. Why was Jesus so uptight with the Pharisees? Because they should have known better. He didn't call them fools because they weren't acting in ignorance. They were acting with rejection. And that's why I think sometimes this, for us, makes the word wicked a lot more potent because we don't really have this as an option with the two ways for us to respond. We have a choice of being wise and listening, paying attention to God and the way we respond, or we end up being wicked. Because we know what God wants, and we choose not to do it. And the Bible calls that wicked. And it's one of the things that I think Christians find really difficult, because we don't mind being a bit naughty, we don't mind being a little bit rebellious, but being wicked or evil is not a word that we want to be used about us but it's applicable to us. If we know the truth and turn our back on it. Having said that, there are times when each of us show wisdom. We know what God wants and we do it. There are times when each of us is a little foolish. We actually are unaware of what God wants and we respond in a particular way that's not right because we should be looking to hear from him. But there are other times when each of us goes down this pathway of being wicked. So what is the distinction between these two? I'll come back down here a little bit later on. What's the distinction between these two? And if we could have the next slide up on the screen there, please, Leona. Did everyone get that? What's the fork in the road? There was not enough groaning there. So if you go on to the, the, the next one. The fork in the road is basically the one that splits people off. It's how people respond to God. The wise people live with this idea that The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's his world and we respond to him. The foolish don't know that he's there and they just do their own thing. But the wicked, they say something different. And we're just going to look at three things that define the way that the wicked think. And the first of them, they say, God is not feared. Psalm 10 verse 13 says, Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? In other words, the wicked person says, or has an awareness, that's what God wants, but I'm doing this anyway. And the book of Proverbs says that in their minds is this idea, I can do this because he's not going to judge me. Either he doesn't have the power or he doesn't have the intent or he doesn't have the courage to keep his law, to punish me when I've said I'm in rebellion against you. God is not feared is the way that the wicked person thinks. All of you have an an awareness in in many ways of what God wants for your life. We know we're not supposed to tell lies. We know we're not supposed to be impatient. We know that we're not supposed to indulge in things that take away our self-control. We know we're not supposed to look at things which are going to cause our minds to be greedy, to be lustful, to be angry. We know that because we've read the scriptures and we've listened to sermons and we understand because of the way God's world made the world that that's what should be and we know that there's a God who will call us to account when we decide not to do what we know he wants us to do the scriptures call that wickedness it's not just being a little bit naughty it's not just being bad, it's being wicked. Because you're saying, I don't really fear you, God. This part, this verse says, he won't call me to account. It basically says we have this idea, he won't discipline me. When we were bringing up our children, um, they're old enough now and they're not going to tell on me, but... We used to use this on this when they weren't behaving themselves very well. I know you're not really... Um, you get in trouble for doing that these days. Um, we used to smack our kids. And they knew when they were doing the wrong thing, but we, we wanted to be nice. And so we would give them an opportunity to change their way, and we would count. Do you know how parents do? One, two, three, smack. I worked out the kids would wait until I got to before they'd change their thing. So we changed it to when I got to two, they'd get the smack. They just started until I got... And then they do it. And then we say, well, okay, it's one. They would wait till we're starting on the mouth and then they would change their behaviour. But I've seen other parents do it who kind of watched what we did and thought, yeah, we would like our kids to do that. And they go, one. And I'm telling you, Timmy, Two, I mean it, Tim. Three. Four. Tim, I'm going to tell your dad. Five. Oh, no one's really watching. It doesn't really matter. We'll deal with it later. And I think a lot of people feel that's how God's going to be. God's not going to deal with it now. And if that's not what we think, then sometimes that's how we behave. And the Bible says that's wicked the second attitude that comes out which is wickedness and i think sometimes we do this as well it defines how we behave is that god has no place in the wicked person's life psalm 10 verse 4 says in his pride the wicked man does not seek him god in all his thoughts there is no room for god In other words, the wicked person, knowing that God is there, is making a decision in their life, is determining to respond to someone in a particular way, to act towards someone in a particular way, and God doesn't feature in that decision-making process. God doesn't come into it anymore. Basically, the wise person who fears the Lord, who's in awe of God, who's in love with God, brings him into every part of his decision-making process. The fool goes off in his own merry way because he has no idea, if you like, that God wants to do something in his life. He's just sillily going along. The wicked person knows that God's there and basically says, talk to the hand. I'm doing this. I'm going my way. Because at this point in time, you don't have a part to play in my decision-making process in the way that I'm going to respond here. Which means that for us as Christian folk, we actually only have two options. We have the way of wisdom, which was to seek the Lord's face, to behave the way the Lord wants us to. Or we ignore him and we act the way the scriptures call wickedness. We're wicked. And there are times in our life when all of us, I think, do things like that. I know it's true for me. Well, I know that God wants to have a say in how I respond to this person, how I purchase this item in this show that I watch and I purposefully don't ask his opinion on the matter. Thirdly, what does it all come basically down to? It's the fact that we're full of pride. Pride. The wise person puts God in the place up here and says, "You're king of the universe. The wise person says, you can have your bits and pieces, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. To the arrogant, God says, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your own horns. Don't blow your own trumpets. Basically, in the passage, <laughs> you've got nothing to say. But... He's basically saying that what the wicked do is they say, I'm the center of my universe, it's all about me. It's what makes me happy, it's what I want to do. So that's the wicked. And sometimes we all are like that. But we're not going to go into all the things the wicked do because the wicked do things, we do things, like lie, steal, cheat, lust, get angry wrongfully, judge we're biased we tell people off when we do the same things we're hypocritical we all know the evil things we do but in particular we want to look in terms of receptiveness because what we're doing over these 10 weeks is having a look at how we as a community of christian people should respond not only to god but to each other And the Bible has a number of things to say about how wicked people respond, how they interact with folk. We've talked about being genuine with one another and now we come to, well, what does this mean as we respond to each other? Very briefly. I've had it pointed out that I'm not a great artist, so please bear with me. The wise person, when they're told something by God or from someone else, says thank you. Even if we don't agree with it, we thank the person for speaking into our lives. We say we appreciate that. Thank you. Let me hear it. Let me listen to it. As we talked about last week, we button this up. We hear the person, we listen, we're thankful for what they have to say to us. Josh this morning talked about the fool and there's not a whole lot. I'm not very good at doing this. Well, basically the fool who is the centre of their own universe but they don't have an awareness totally of God and everybody else. They get sad. Yes, they're the centre of their universe but then you're the centre of your universe and you're the centre of your universe and hey, it's kind of when they hear something they kind of put the blame, the, the book of Proverbs goes through this, they put the blame elsewhere. Well,
1: <laughs>
0: I've, you know, I have had teachers do this. I used to do interviews with teachers. I was the principal and the teachers would come to me and I'd say, look, I've, I've heard this has happened in your class. and I'd say, yeah, my kids, they're terrible kids. You know, I try and do something and they just never listen to me. I'd say, okay, well, now you know about this. How about next time it doesn't happen? well it's my kids, I I can't change my kids anyways you get them back again and again and you say look the same thing is happening you know this is happening in your classroom I'm hearing about it yeah well the parents you know I've I've told the parents and it's just I can't help it because that's the way the parents are and it goes on and on it's it's elsewhere because I'm not hearing you is the way the fool goes on That's not Chinese, by the way. I'm just telling you that. That's that's about as artistic as I get. The wicked person responds differently. Why? Well, basically he knows that there is another standard and decides to reject it. And rejection shows its way in a number of ways. So how do the wicked respond? Firstly, the scripture teaches that a wicked person's response is defensive. Proverbs 21 verse 29 says, the wicked put up a bold front, but the upright give thought to their ways. What does the book say? It says, if we're as a community going to respond wisely, we're to listen. If we respond wickedly, we're defensive. We keep putting up these barriers to protect ourselves. And as I go through this, we'll see this is true of some of the interactions that we have with people we even love. That when we try and have a conversation at times, they are defensive. They don't want to listen. They don't want to pay attention. Now, in particular, the scriptures are talking about the way that we respond to God. God says, don't do that. You say, well, just hold on a second, Lord. (laughs) don't do that haven't you been around for the last two thousand years times have changed you know it's not the same as it was back in galilee in zero right we're a little bit more educated now you know (laughs) Have, have a rethink and we get defensive about people saying something about the way that we respond but it also happens as people try and talk into our lives to help as we've talked about to keep us accountable to our christian life how's your bible reading going I've been really busy. That doesn't answer the question. Have you ever noticed people do that? They don't answer your question. They tell you something else, which is completely unrelated. They're basically preparing the barriers to say, this is why I'm not responding that way. And the Bible says that type of response is a bad response. It's a naughty response. It's a wicked response. What do the upright do? What do the wise do? They give thought to their ways. They have a little think about it. They take a second or two or three or four and they don't respond defensively. They think about it. The person might share something which isn't true, but it's a matter of saying, okay, well, maybe I can learn something here. God's put me in community. Maybe I can learn something here. The second way that wicked people respond is their response is deceptive. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 3 says do not drag me away with the wicked with those who do evil who speak cordially with their neighbours but harbour malice in their hearts I've been in conversations with people and in our conversation it's almost as if we're BFFs it's i think I'm old <laughs> cool. alright we, we, we get on really well and then you hear around the ridges that they're doing all this sort of stuff. They're doing all this talk that's going on. If we are talking with someone and we say something with them, but then we turn aside and we go to someone else and we say something different, we're being deceptive. We're being naughty. We're being wicked in the way that we respond. And if we want to be a community which is God-focused, which is christ focus glorifying god in all of our lives then these responses are not ones that we will have with one another people talk to us we won't be defensive and when people are discussing stuff with us we won't be deceptive we're genuine truth tellers and we talk about things in love and there are some things which we don't say but we're not going to do one thing in one place and one thing another place we're not going to say i forgive you and then harbor bitterness and malice we're not going to say thank you for sharing that and then go away under our breath muttering, who do they think they are Oh. Poof. we're not going to listen to them and say thank you for sharing that about my children and then walk away and say but have you seen his kids man
1: get a life
0: glad I don't have them and we're not going to be in that sort of deceptive way of dealing with stuff that comes to us The funny thing is we can't deceive God And I don't think any of us are foolish enough to think we do, but somehow, sometimes we even act towards God that way. Wickedness is what the scriptures talk about. Thirdly, a wicked person's response, this angry response, their response is divisive or divisive, depending on where you come from. And I hope that doesn't split you, but that's just the way it can be. Proverbs 28 verse six says, Who plots evil with deceit in his heart? He always stirs up conflict. You tell someone something and their response is to split the group, to find people who will side with them. Or if there's a unified approach, to say something that will tear the people apart. They're not prepared to listen. And basically, what we are to do as wise people, as we're responding to people who talk with us, is not to get this attitude up to try and tear people down, to split people apart so that we can win a battle. I was once in this. Um, I feel like going to conferences. I went to one of these little conferences where you had to do these little talk with your group things and uh, it was kind of like this bonding time or whatever else I, I, I don't get them very much but we were put in this group and we all handed a piece of paper and we had to win the game it was a, a stupid thing it was a little exercise there were three of us in our group and we all were leaders of a country and we had to save our country by uh, dealing with the world's supply of oranges I can't remember what it was, something like that. And my country needed the outside of the orange to, to, to survive. There was some great disease which was ravaging our country. And then someone needed the juice and someone needed the pips. It was one of these little, you know, talk to each other and get on with each other type of exercises. I won.
1: <laughs>
0: I had both of those people say to me, you can save your country. How do I do that? I split them. I divided and conquered. I talked them through and I was so pleased with myself. We went back into the big groups and they say, Who, whose country is safe? i yeah. And these two countries died. No group actually had all three people survive. Some of them just, all three died. I felt much better than them. But when you actually got to read the other persons, and if you thought if you'd actually talked to one another, if you'd actually communicated with each other, you all could have won. I'm not sure how that would have worked myself, but that was the whole point of it. Often where like I was in that time. Because I'm the centre of the universe, because I don't live really in God's world, I know he's out there, but I live for myself. I'm in rebellion against others. I win at all costs. I need to have things my way. If that means that I have to divide everybody else so that I can have my place, then I do it. That's what the Bible calls wickedness. If that's how we respond when people talk to us, then we have to take a good look at ourselves and realize that what we're doing is not just being argumentative. We're not just sticking up for ourselves. We're not just saying it like it is. We're being wicked. Fourthly, a wicked person's response is abusive. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Now, the word that there's translated mocker is probably often similar to the word fool. Now, if if you were listening, if you read some of the the passages that have been going on the last few weeks, You don't have to beat a guy that smiles when you give him advice. He says thank you and he thinks about it and puts it into action. The fool on the other hand, he's just doing his own thing, going his own way. He doesn't really understand the law that's out there. You can get him to change his ways. The scripture says you just smack him a bit. You put into them boundaries where they don't want to cross over that and they're prepared to change their pathways. They can be taught, in other words, You can teach someone who doesn't know by whatever method you want to. As long as it's hard enough, harsh enough, pointy enough, they don't want to go against it. You can get there. But the wicked person, they only go down kicking and screaming. Why? Because they already know where the barriers are. They know what they should do. They've already rebelled against it. They have a mindset not to do that. And the wicked person becomes abusive and the wicked person becomes dangerous and the wicked person becomes angry. You tell somebody something that they don't agree with, they can walk away and say, not interested. That might be what the fool does. The wicked person turns around and gives an attack back on you. Have you ever shared something with somebody? Being in a conversation, wanted to talk to somebody about something and they come back at you angry? They come back at you so defensive that they start to abuse you for what's happened? The Bible says that's what wicked people do because there's something in them that is reacting really strongly against that. The Bible says if it's wanting to push them into God's pathway they've turned their back on that already and they've said, no, thank you, I'm not interested. When you go out and you share the gospel on the streets, there's no difficulty sharing the gospel with someone who hasn't heard often, hasn't been involved in churches, who really knows nothing about God. They might like it. They might say, no, thank you. I'm not interested, um, and walk away. In in many ways, those people are fools. They they don't know about God. But you have an opportunity to share the truth with them and, and they're not rude about it. They're not angry about it. They're just, no, thank you. They don't know God. But the ones that are a real struggle with is the ones you talk up to who have grown up in churches who have been hurt by churches, who have been abused by churches, or have got this idea against God, they've, they've got an understanding, and they, and you talk to those people, and they're angry, and they're abusive, and they're argumentative, because you're pushing a button that they don't want pushed. And the scriptures say that we are not to be like that. We're to be receptive. We're to be wise. We're not to respond to people abusively. We're to listen to them. That doesn't mean what everybody says to us is going to be true. Sometimes they're going to say stuff which is just silly. But to listen to them, to value who they are, to pray about it and say, God, is this something I need to learn? Is what wise people do. Wicked people get angry about it and abusive about it and hurtful about it. So then, where do they end up? Where does that pathway lead? If being wicked is a part of our very nature, if that is who we are more than we're fools or we're wise, if we habitually reject God's leading, if we habitually respond negatively towards God and say, look, you've got your time, Lord. I give you from 6.30 until 8.30 and if David's talking long, 9.30. I give you that much time on a Sunday night and that's your time. Be comfortable there, Lord. If, if, if that's our habit then the rest of the week when we don't live with God as king and Lord basically says that habitually he's not king there's this little box we're comfortable to keep him in that doesn't mean that we're not going to have wicked moments throughout like sinful times throughout what we do it doesn't even mean that we're not often sinful but we're seeking constantly to be the sort of people who are receiving God's word living under him Those people go up. See how planned this beforehand? They go up. That's what wise people do. They go to be with the Lord. Foolish people, those who don't know God, who ignore God, who go their own way, if you like, out of ignorance. But they've decided to reject a whole searching after God. Well, those who are wicked, where do they end up? and particularly I think the wicked and this means us if that's us firstly the scriptures say that we will be exposed there will be a customs officer who decides to open the box and pull every item out now we're talking exposed here Proverbs 26:26 says, Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. After leaving the Sudan, we, did, we, we transferred and we were going to Ethiopia, but our stuff was still in the Sudan and I had to fly back into the Sudan to pick it up. And I'm at the airport and I'm going through customs. Now, customs in Sudan is a little bit different from customs in Australia. Customs in Sudan is, There's no line. It's whoever has their trolley just a little bit more in front of the other person. They get to go first. And if you want to get through customs, you smile. The way not to get through customs is to frown. Or what is worse is to get angry. I'm flying back into Sudan. I've got a couple of bags and I'm lining up to get through customs. And there's this dear American girl coming through next to me, but she couldn't handle the fact that people kept pushing in in front of her, and she started getting louder and louder against the customs officials and the silly people who don't know what a line is and her voice was getting angry, so the custom official said to her, "You can be next well he her in the assembly he took out every garment of her clothing and held it up to the light i was a few back from her and his line everyone just moved out of the way i think he went through bit by bit and he was hanging holding up her bras and stretching doing everything she was there and i went through and everyone else went through she was just exposed in the assembly basically the guy said you want to cause a fuss about this we'll do it now that's not what God's going to do but God says that there will be no deception who we are in reality is going to be shown not just in front of him but in front of the assembly all those who are in the the courtroom of heaven. And he said that those wicked people might seem to get away with it. it. might, They might be able to hide it from everyone else. But God's going to let it be known what they're really like. Now, I don't know about you, but <laughs> there's bits and pieces of what I've done and thought I don't want anyone to see. I don't want out there Why does God tell us this? He tells us this again to say, think carefully about how you respond to me, God says, but also about how you respond to each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. This is what God commands of us. Let's respond that way. Secondly, trapped. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast, Proverbs 5.22. We read that passage together at the beginning. Someone said to me after last week's morning service, that passage scared them. God says, if you reject me, there'll come a time when I will laugh at you. I won't listen to you anymore. Notice that really hasn't got a lot to do with the fool's. It's a direct comment to those who purposefully reject and God says there comes a time when I will no longer listen. The wickedness, the evilness, the rejection of God becomes such a habit it entraps them, their sin is all around them and they can't get out of it. The foolish person who doesn't understand, doesn't know God still has an opportunity, I think, all the way through to, to find out about God because they've been in ignorance and they can come to truth. But those who have been in truth, who know what God is like and who constantly, purposefully rebel, their heart becomes harder and harder and this says they get trapped. It's a net around them. Pharaoh's heart was hard and yet he'd seen the plague. He knew what was going on and he would not change. It's a warning. It's a warning to us. We know what God wants. We know what he expects from us. We know how it is we're supposed to respond to one another. We know how we're supposed to respond to him. And sometimes we keep putting it off and then we're putting it off and we say, Someday, Lord, I'll come. Someday, Lord, I'll come. Someday, Lord, I'll come. And God says, There might come a time and it's you suddenly want to change, but you're trapped. You're ensnared. You can't change. You can't turn. Thirdly, the wicked are destroyed. Psalm 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And it's true, not just in terms of eternity, but in terms of our interactions with one another. That abusive, argumentative, deceptive type of response in interacting with one another relationship just causes destruction. causes destruction of relationships it tears families apart it tears churches apart it tears couples apart tears friends apart because that's when we're that tied up that we've rejected what we should do because this is what we want to do it breaks relationship and the final relationship that's broken if you like it's already broken is between us and God And it's a broad way that goes down to destruction. So what's our response here? And I only have four. One, two, three, four. Firstly, look. Look at yourself. Consider your ways. Think about how you respond to people. Some of the time you'll be greatly encouraged. You're wise. You know you respond properly. You do what God wants and you're encouraged by that. Sometimes you're foolish. You don't know. You don't know what God really wants and you just respond. And often it might be out of selfishness. Sometimes it's out of care for the person around you. Sometimes it's what God wants and sometimes it isn't. But you're kind of a bit foolish. You're not bringing God in. You're not purposefully doing it, but you're just kind of acting as if he's not there. Sometimes we're wicked. We know exactly what God wants. We know how he wants us to respond. We know what he wants us to do in a situation. But by golly, we're not going to. We're not going to do it our way because it's either more fun or we're not going to give them the benefit or whatever it is. And we say, no. Lord, I like this. We started off with me being skinny. I like KFC. I do. You know, you know, you try and count calories and you going through all that sort of stuff to get thinner and you drive past and they've actually got on the board now how many calories is in there and you're like, don't do that. <laughs> you know, driving you say, could you take it off? I don't want to be reminded. I just want to eat it. sometimes we're like that with god we know what's there but we don't look we don't stop and examine ourselves we don't stop and examine him in our life because the next slide thanks god's closer than you think he's there look he's watching look he's observing look He has a rule look don't live without him in your life which leads to the second thing fear firstly look secondly fear not fear in the sense of i'm frightened but fear in the sense of you are awesome god You're close to me, you surround me, you made this world your way. Develop that sense of fear towards God that you know it's his world and you know you live in it. Because that helps to prevent you doing wicked things. It helps to prevent you doing foolish things. It helps to lead you into wise living. Now some of us haven't feared God enough and we need to. We need to understand all that he is, all that he wants from us. And so what we need to do is to change direction. Next slide, please. Ten. If you've been living without a proper fear of God, God forgives. I don't know if you've ever driven down a road that gets narrower and narrower and narrower. We went to this place called Arbamintch, which means 40 springs, which you don't really need to know, I suppose. But we were going to go swimming there. And we took a bus down to Arbamintch, down this winding path. Because we figured there would be a parking spot. But the walls of the bushes kept getting closer and closer to the bus until they were scraping the edges of the bus on either side. And you know what? You can't turn a bus around then. What you have to do is back out three, four kilometres, which is slow and horribly boring. What you should do is turn around when you can. If we know what God wants, now's the time to turn around to fear Him. Now's the time to turn around and live in His world. Because He says fairly clearly, your sin, your wickedness, your wanting to live your own life will entrap you in such a way as you can't escape at some stage. You're gonna be caught. And then you'll want saving and I won't save you. So turn. Now, if that's the way we're responding to God or the way we're talking to one another, change your way of life. Change what you do. Thirdly, listen. Really desire the communication with people. Listen to God as he speaks, but listen to one another. If someone comes up to you and says, look, I'd like to give you a little bit of feedback on your sermon tonight, Dave, Dave, You know, really it was that little bit long. And you think, oh, do you know what? (laughs) The singing just, we started three minutes late. Did you pick that up? You know, it's not really that I preached for a long time. It's just that, "That sadly, not my fault. And then I could keep going through the service and explain why I really didn't get on here until about ten minutes ago. All right? I could be defensive, but that's not the way it's done. The way it's done is to listen, to hear, to learn and to say thank you. Learn to respond to one another like that. I'm going to get comments. I know I am. Please don't do it. But I know I'm going to get comments, people sharing with me how I need to lose weight at the end of the service. People always help me out. Thank you. I appreciate that. I could be defensive. I could tell you all about the big bones that run in my family. I could even get angry with you rude people. But no, I've got to learn to listen. And it might be about trivial things like that or it might be about the way we work in relationships, how we're living our life, how we're doing stuff with our work, how we're getting our education, anything. Learn to listen to one another. Don't get angry. Don't get sad. Get wise. And in particular... Have hearts that hear. It's not just a matter to have it here and then inside be deceptive or inside be defensive or inside be angry. Let it soak right in. Let it become a part of our nature to hear what people are saying, to hear what God is saying, to mull it over, to think about it. That we actually have a change in character. That we do things differently. And then finally, the last one obey if we look around see this is god's world we fear him we hear what he says do it if people around us tell us that we need to change and we think about what they have to say and they're right change you just, every now and then you see me standing with my hands in the air when i'm singing a song because i really enjoy the music I grew up in one of those churches where if your trousers weren't up here and your hands weren't in your pockets, you weren't worshipping properly. Anyone who did this was...
1: <clears throat>
0: well, we know what they are. That's with the P word and they should be somewhere else. Right? But you know, as you grow and you change, as you see what God's doing, we respond to what we hear and the experiences that are out there. We change i'm a different person than i was 20 years ago some things i'm the same some things i'm different and a lot of that's had to be response to people talking into my life to experiences that are there in my life to all sorts of things Now we all have different experiences so i might be different than you are and you might have a different area of learning than i do but you know we're not going to change we're not going to be the people that god wants to mold us into unless when we hear what he has to say, we actually start to put it into practice. We start to do it. So that's my fourth encouragement. Obey. If the person shares something with you and it's just not right and you pray about it, well, don't change. That's fine. But at least listen to them. Hear about it. Think about it. Pray about it. We as a community to grow together by being receptive. Let's not be naughty let's pray father god you love us you set us in a world which is amazing you have a way for us to live that we might glorify and praise your name you want us to live together with each other in community in a way that shows love to one another father help us as your people to know that we live in your world to be aware that you're King and Lord of it all, to listen to you and to listen to the community of people around us, that we might grow through your teaching and through their encouragement to be more like Jesus Christ and help us to put in practice those things that we know from you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.